0: Female pleasure has long been underrepresented on screen. And here on Girls on Film, we often talk about the importance of representation of all aspects of women's lives, including pleasure. Today's guest is Ita O'Brien, the intimacy coordinator who's made it her life's work to make a difference. Here she is. We all have different relationships
1: with our bodies. We all have different relationships with our nakedness. Just because someone is uncomfortable to be completely naked does not mean that they're not an excellent actor and, in fact, the best actor for that role. And this work allows for those conversations to happen in a
0: professional way. Fasten your seatbelts. It's going to be a bumpy night. I'm going to get that gun of mine and I'm going to change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Some people call me a freak. I hate that word. I don't believe in it. Better yet, I don't believe in labels. You know, I think you're the only
2: girl in the world that can stand on a stage with a spotlight in her eye and still see a diamond inside a man's pocket.
0: Because I'm up at five every morning working my ass off, does someone want to just tell me to my face you're never going to give me the scores I deserve? Hello and welcome to Girls on Film. I'm your host, Anna Smith, and I am delighted to announce that this February, Girls on Film will hold its second ever Girls on Film Awards at the Garden Cinema in Covent Garden. Once again, I'll be joined on stage by Girls on Film co-founder and executive producer Hedda Archbold to co-host the awards, which we will also release as a podcast for you. We'll be joined by some brilliant women working in film, and we're looking forward to championing the great work they have done over the past year. As you may know, one of our awards is the Best Female Orgasm Award. And this year, we'll be joined by Intimacy Coordinator, Ita O'Brien, who will talk about the representation of female pleasure on screen. At last summer's Latitude Festival, which I was unable to go to, Hedda caught up with Ita for an onstage conversation about the work of her company, Intimacy On Set, and about the way that their work is changing what we see on screen, as well as on-set working practices. Here is that conversation
2: lovely to see you all yes hello and we're going to be talking about ita's work as an intimacy coordinator and i just want to say before we begin that of course we'll be talking about intimacy which means we'll be talking about intimate acts intimate body parts and different kinds of touch so if that is something that activates you or if you're here with very young children do feel free to leave if that's a problem for you So, I'm a huge fan of Edith's work. I think that her work has changed the way that sex scenes and intimate scenes are made in film and in television. And um, tell me what it
1: is. Tell us what it is and how does it work. So, um, an intimacy coordinator is a practitioner who brings a professional structure um, when making intimate content, just like a choreographer would do if they're choreographing a dance or a stunt coordinator would if they're creating a fight or a stunt. So
2: can you talk to me about how does that work in, in practice to talk us through the journey?
1: I mean, if you're working with actors, where do you start? At what point? interesting you say when working with actors because actually it starts way before that. So first of all, we serve the producers... We help to put in place a professional structure, putting in place best practice across the whole of a production so that the work can be done in an open and professional way. And then we serve the director, serving the director's vision, serving the writing. So listening to what they want from each scene and then setting about um, making sure that that's communicated to everybody. We're serving the actor, so we'll be saying to the director, you speak to the actors, and then we'll speak to the actors and go, right, you know what the director wants. Now, what's okay for you? What degree of simulated sexual content, what degree of nudity is um, is okay for you? Let us know your boundaries. Tell us your no, so that we can work freely with everywhere that is in your agreement and consent. And then we'll choreograph really clearly really serving every single beat of the scene, allowing the director's vision to be served, allowing the actors to feel personally taken care of so that artistically they can bring all of themselves, bring all of their skills to this character, to this moment of storytelling, you know, telling beautiful, intimate Mm. stories.
2: So can you give an example of a time when you've worked with a writer on the script of a sex scene?
1: As far as working with the writing, we're sort of like, for example, if we look at normal people, making sure that every single beat of Sally Rooney's writing was honored. So, for example, if you think of the top of episode two, when you have this lovely scene of a Marianne sexual awakening, that's a scene that overall takes about nine minutes. And what's lovely about the writing is the writing doesn't start from, you know, the sexual content, the writing starts from them sitting apart from each other and then opening up to each other through their dialogue, through how they're opening up emotionally to each other with what they're sharing.
0: You never give an opinion about anything, ever. You just always know what you think, and I like that. You must know what you feel, though. No. I struggle with that, actually. I might look back on something and think how I felt at the time, but when it's happening, I never have any idea. Then how do you know what you want? I don't. Most of the time I don't have a clue.
1: about now and then gradually that coming into touch and then opening out and asking you know can we take our clothes off now so that's so lovely marianne is the one that says can we take our clothes off now no, can we take our clothes off? yeah <laughs> yeah and then that agreement and consent, and that continues throughout the scene. So there's really, there was quite detailed beats right the way through. And what's lovely, when you have time and space to choreograph each and every beat so that every detail can be served, again, what's been so positive in that scene is that continual um, asking for consent. So first of all, the character of Marianne asks for protection. She asks for him to wear a condom. Do
0: you have a condom? Is that what you want?
1: Yeah. Okay. And then he says, "You know, if you want to stop at any time, we can stop." Is this
2: is your first time. Yeah. Is
0: that okay? Well, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's just uh, if you want to stop or anything, we can obviously stop. I doubt I want that. I know, but. Uh, if it hurts or anything, we can stop. It won't be awkward. You just, you just say.
1: Thanks. So they keep that dialogue going while also staying incredibly connected emotionally, and we keep that zhush, that you know, the the, the vibe of that sexy connection right the way through. I
0: think you're very pretty, by the way. <laughs> Don't.
1: People are often
2: very uncomfortable talking about sex. How do you work with actors in the rehearsal space? How do you make people feel comfortable?
1: Well, this is it as I've described. Um, when the conversation starts right from the producers supporting the process of the intimacy guidelines, having and inviting that open conversation right from the get-go. What it also means is, in the breakdown that goes out to the casting directors and to the agents, we're able to say, "This is the role. This is the intimate content. This is the nudity that might be required." Does it hurt? Oh, that's told right from the get-go and those productions are able to say and we will be working with an intimacy coordinator to support you throughout this content So right from there, already the approach to the intimate content is different. Already there's a professional structure. That open conversation is there. Mm. So when an actor is auditioning for that part, they know that there's trust. They know that they can be open and free and that they will be journeyed through in a professional way. So once that's already been put in place, by the time we get to actually talking about the scenes and dealing with the work, then it's just part of the process and everybody knows that they can work openly and professionally. Yeah.
2: Your background is in uh, movement, as a movement coach. How does that play into your work with the actors?
1: Yes, I've been a professional in this industry for 39 years, which is um, yeah, it's a bit of a <laughs> shock that there's that many. So, yes, yeah, so this role absolutely brings all of my experience as a dancer, so bringing that sense of choreography, of movement, of rhythm, and then my work as an actor, so serving storytelling, serving script. And that's why I say, you know, people say, oh, this work is about just bringing safety. And I'm going... You wouldn't say to a choreographer or a stunt coordinator, you're here just to keep the actors safe. No, you're here either the choreographer her Basil Ehrman's tango. You're there to listen to his vision and create the best Roxanne tango that you can. You know, if you're listening to Tom Cruise wanting to do his leaps across the um, roofs and everything, of course you're putting in place the structure to keep everybody safe, but actually what the stunt coordinator is doing is creating choreography and putting everything in place so that you can create the most exciting fights or the most exciting... Exciting stunts and that's exactly the same as what we're doing here. It's bringing in a professional process, just bringing in what I would say is a bog standard professional actor director process to the intimate content that then allows you to work very excitingly, actually pushing the boundary more because when everybody feels listened to and heard, very often they can be more free with what they can offer professionally and create something that's way more exciting than it might have been in the old days mm. when the director would go, you've read the script, that's what we want put you in front of the camera and just go for it.
2: Yes. Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, a good intimate scene is a scene that moves the narrative on and that has a meaning to it.
1: That's right. And that's actually part of what we do, the part of what any actor does. You know, when you're looking at a scene, you're doing your five W's who, what, when, where, and why. Once you ask those questions, it becomes very clear if that scene is really serving storytelling and really exciting and really allowing everybody to to, to get um, behind it and really say something exciting with the intimate content or if it's actually gratuitous um, and isn't really serving storytelling and actually doesn't need to be there.
2: Mm. And there are lots of different kinds of sexuality and different kinds of sex scenes, and I gather that you use animals as a way of you know, thinking about that and talking about that. And yes, you'd be
1: surprised how many of the scenes that I've choreographed have come from slug energy. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Can you explain how that works?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's one of the things that's been out there, hasn't it, that um, some people can find very amusing. What we're looking at doing is, again, using part of our actors' um, techniques in order to help each actor to bring the best of themselves that serves this character in this moment. Part of an actor's training is to do animal studies to look at different animals in their natural habitat and embody that to help you, you know, really physically transform and perhaps find a different rhythm in yourself and a different way of being. So when you also look at animal rhythms mating, it's really enlightening and it can really um, help to you know, think who is this character in this moment, who are they, and you can perhaps look at animal rhythms mating and then explore that physically and then do that thing of anthropomorphizing so gradually pull it more and more more impulses just bring it to impulse um, and you find something that's completely different to who you are in your personal and private loving and allow you to really serve this character but there's other techniques like Laban Um, so there's a movement system created by a fantastic architect called Laban where you're looking at calibrating movement into floating gliding um, punching and, and slashing so that's another system or perhaps music so actually with Sally Rooney she created a playlist for each of her characters both for normal people and for conversations with friends so that's also very exciting and a lovely way in so listening to the different music and using that in you know the the different intimate scenes that gives and that holds the space so any technique basically that helps that resounds with the actor that resounds with that particular character that resounds with the storytelling that allows an actor for us all to be professional but still be detailed and precise in how we create the intimate scenes
2: amazing One of the series that you worked on was I May Destroy You, which was made by Michaela Cole. It was a huge hit, and I think it really changed the face of how we think about sex in film and television. And in fact, Michaela Cole won a BAFTA for her series, and she dedicated it to you. She did, yes. And I would, yes, round of applause. When she received her BAFTA, she gave a speech, a very powerful speech that I'd like to just read out to you which says, I want to dedicate this award to the Director of Intimacy, Eta O'Brien. Thank, Thank you, you for, for your, your existence, existence in, our industry, in our
0: industry, for making, for making the, the space, space safe, safe, for creating physical, emotional and professional boundaries so that we can make work about exploitation,
2: loss of respect, about abuse of power without being exploited or abused in the process. And I think that's, that's incredible. <clears throat> Can you say a little bit about how it was to work on that series?
1: Oh, my goodness. First of all, Michaela Cole is absolutely extraordinary. She was executive producer, writer, actor and co-director. Like I'd say to her on a Friday, like, so what are you doing this weekend? Oh, I'm rewriting episodes seven and eight. You know, I think she said in the press afterwards that she did something like 174 rewrites. So, what was amazing about that was first of all her bravery in writing both about her own experience and that being the kernel of the storytelling, but also then her exploration of all different forms of consent and how consent can be taken. And then again, just honoring each and every beat, you know. So, um, oh you know episode 12 you know the extraordinary imaginings of all the different revenge moments you know that she could have had wasn't it incredible and working on that was spine tingling in in those different imaginings and when I watched episode 12 myself I was going oh my god you know the impact that that has and then to realise that none of that had happened but you can see that character's catharsis of the fact that she'd gone through that and then like the the scenes of Kwame the male assault and again making sure that that was we researched and that was shown in a way that was honouring the queer male black Community, but then taking that into the assault and the quality of that assault. It wasn't rape, you know, but it was absolutely, you know, uh, an assault being held down. But all of that, the detail that she put in, the period sex scene. Oh.
0: You okay? I'm on my period. It's okay. No. No, I've I've never done it on a period with someone who actually knew I was on it.
2: Sometimes I'll speak so fast. But no, it
0: doesn't it doesn't matter. I'm quite a heavy bleeder, so I'm just letting you know that. Seeing as you've been really helpful today, uh,
2: it's passanti Want to Wanna try?
1: Yes. On. All us ladies out here. Yes. We spend roughly 40 years of our lives on one week a month engaged in our menstrual cycle with our menstrual paraphernalia. How often have we seen that depicted in a good way? How often have we seen period pads and... You know, so um, I was really proud of that. Don't you think it was excellent? <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah. I think that was a really a pivotal moment. Oh, what is that?
0: Oh, it's a blood clot. Oh, I've never seen anything like that before. Yeah, I don't think they're on the high streets or anything.
2: Oh so soft. When it comes out, can you feel it? I think another really important series that you worked on is It's a Sin. Oh. Do you want to talk
1: a little bit about Russell T Davis's writing? Oh, goodness, absolutely. As you've just said, you know, my journey is I was a musical theatre dancer in the 80s. So reading that script, it was like, oh, my goodness, I've lived through this. And actually one of the first people who I knew that passed away from HIV and AIDS was my singing teacher at the time, a guy called Chris Edwards, you know, who was absolute saviour for me, you know, sort of, um, you know, with my musical theatre work. And such a shock that such a beautiful, vibrant man with such talent could suddenly be gone within 18 months. Um, So reading that script, first of all, was just fantastic, but also how Russell T. Davis just brought such joy and celebration to gay male loving, so positive and so important, um, how beautifully it was written. So then again, it was an absolute honour to support him. And then the amazing cast, Peter Hoare, the incredible director, obviously Ollie Alexander, isn't he the most incredible, isn't he? to Alexander (laughs) the most incredible performer let alone as an actor what he brought to that Mm. and the whole of the cast so again really it was a privilege to be able to support that and then to bring that beautiful um, telling re- Retelling, re because there was such shame, you know, in the 80s. You know, it really was labelled the gay disease, and the shame on. And again, you know, that our um, laws have changed so much since then. For anybody to come out and declare themselves proudly as a gay person in the 80s was so hard. And the joy that Russell T. Davis brought to it um, was just fantastic. And like I say, a really important piece of art to be um, supported. <laughs> I'm gonna be an actor. Stupid little dreamer.
2: If you leave now, you don't come back.
0: Don't worry, I won't tell anyone. Lovely boy. Have you seen this? There are boys dying all over the world, but no one knows anything.
2: Do you seriously think there's an illness that only kills gay men? I don't believe it.
0: Now hit me with those lasers, please. Went into hospital. Ambulance
2: loved your son what's wrong with that
0: do you think i should have known
2: i've got some news for you uh, no, it's March. It's March. i'm gonna live i loved how joyous it was such yes. a joyous representation of male gay sex it was fantastic yeah. and really wonderful to see Now, I know you have a company called Intimacy On Set and you're training other people to do this work. So how has it changed in the industry? I mean, you were the first person to introduce this just a very short time ago. Has it been taken up?
1: Um, yes, it has. I mean, if you think before the Intimacy On Set guidelines and the role of the Intimacy Coordinator, it really was the elephant in the room that wasn't discussed. You know, the director would say, you've read the script, as in, you know what's there, you know, and they weren't talked about. The first time that an actor might know what modesty garments they might have was when they came in that day and the wardrobe department said, this is what you need. That was an open conversation and the idea of agreement and consent You know, it really was the case that an actor, if they said no in any way, shape or form, would feel... Well, it was the case that they were considered a troublemaker or a diva. Yeah, there's people nodding here and knowing this. And you really would be in fear that you would be sacked and you certainly wouldn't be asked back again. You know, so what we're doing now is, is flipping it on its head and actually say, tell us your requirements tell us your boundaries so that we can work openly with everywhere that is in your agreement and consent and I've completely gone off piste and what was the question is it now (laughs) something that happens as a matter of course yeah it is I'm still quite flabbergasted when I started speaking about the work into end of 2017 beginning of 2018 I was saying my hope is that within five years that people might But absolutely, the industry has taken this on board and it is now becoming common standard. I'm training people across the globe. I've got practitioners in Canada, the US, the UK, Europe, and then Australia and New Zealand. I've got a WhatsApp group with all my practitioners in Australia and New Zealand. And again, what's so lovely is I hope that the joy that can come from actually us being able to make art that reflects us as who we are and human beings back to ourselves within our intimate expression in a far Mm. more positive, realistic way that can open out and allow us to be more empowered and more embodied as a whole mm. with our intimate expression. Yeah,
2: you said just now that the way that it used to be is that actors were thought of as troublemakers if they found it difficult. How have you changed that on set? Is there a kind of mechanism that you use on set? Like a, can they stop? How can they stop?
1: So it's really important in an intimate scene that if anybody's feeling uncomfortable, um, that. They have the autonomy to halt the action, the same as a director or the first AD. So, putting in place a timeout both in rehearsals and then in the filming, um, and also on stage. So, it allows the actor to be able to, to halt the action if anything's happening that perhaps they're getting overwhelmed, or perhaps a modesty garment is peeling off for whatever reason whatsoever. So, again, um, an actor never has to continue in a scene that they may feel is actually not suitable in that moment. Yeah. By the time a, f- a woman gets to eighteen, sixty percent will have been harassed or abused in some way, and of all men, one in six will have experienced some degree of harassment or abuse. So it means that of someone who you 're working with in, within a company, there's a pretty likelihood that you know that someone will have experienced something that might be activating for them. We all have different relationships with our bodies. We all have different relationships with our nakedness. Just because someone is uncomfortable to be completely naked does not mean that they're not an excellent actor and, in fact, the best actor for that role. And this work allows for those conversations to happen in a professional way. Yeah, hear, hear. Because it was absolutely bad. In every other part of a play or a film, everybody knew that the actors were acting. And yet somehow with the intimate scenes, it was like, well, if if they're going to look like they have chemistry, they've got to really fancy each other. They've got to really have chemistry, yes? You know, a director would say, oh, you know, if you've got the intimate scenes tomorrow, perhaps you should go out and have dinner tonight. (laughs) So what we're doing is just in that place of putting in a professional practitioner that brings skills to the intimate scenes, just saying this is a body dance, That's
2: that's amazing. We're going to go to some questions with the audience. So I think there are some people with microphones who are able to... Ah, thank you, Grace. Yes, lady over here in the front. I understand that your background really supports the
1: work that you do, but I'm interested in kind of how you made that move. So what was it that actually like your first role as intimacy coordinator, was it something that you thought about? Was it something that somebody asked you to do? Um, I had a really organic journey, and I'm as surprised as you are that this is what I'm ending up doing in my career. You know, As you hear, I came from being um, you know, a musical theatre dancer than an actor. I wrote my own play, and then I was looking at a devised piece of work, looking at the dynamic of the perpetrator and the victim. And in that process, I was looking at what practices and principles I should put in place to have a really good rehearsal process. And then one of my colleagues, who's the head of movement at Mountview at the time, Meredith Dufton, she said to me, please will you come and start teaching what you're developing? So that was April 2015, I started teaching the students at Mount View, and then by 2017, the students were saying to me, this is great here in drama school, what's happening in the industry? So I started speaking to Equity, I shared the work with a group of agents, the Personal Managers Association, um, and then... Come um, October two thousand and seventeen, Weinstein happened. The Times Up and Me Too movement, and then suddenly the industry um, were ready and asking for you know how do we work openly and professionally with intimate content. So it's really incredible the journey that I went on and how it ended up. You know, as I was saying, if Meredith Sufton hadn't asked me to come and start teaching the work, truly, truly, I would not be sat here now. So over there.
2: You mentioned earlier about actors sometimes being expected to have attraction to yes. their partners in scenes, and you also mentioned the use of animal rhythms to try and avoid sort of bleed from how they might behave with their own partner, for example, yeah, that's right. outside of acting. Um, is there anything else you do to clearly divide the acted relationship and the actual relationship of the actors, if that makes sense.
1: So yeah, so what we're looking at in that professional process is really helping the actor to use their journey, so using a warm-up really well. So going, this is you, you've come from your day, you've travelled here, doing your warm-up, becoming embodied, and then being able to step in to do your physical transformation into character, and then be in this character's relationship and this character's energy... And that supports you, be it um, whether you're just working the character, but if you really fancy your, and your fellow actor, you don't want to be bleeding how you actually feel about that character. Or equally, if you don't get on with your fellow um, actor... All of it just supports you to really working professionally, serving the the character, and then also you step away from the work. So at the end of the scene, honouring yourself, doing whatever you do, a warm down, shaking out, letting go. So then you work the other way, so you really let go of character and step back to yourself personally. And then you can go home, back in your personal body, knowing you've done a really good day of work. Thanks very much. Um,
2: It's absolutely fascinating. You've got an incredible job, which is part creative and part sort of representative of of the actors in it. I presume you're employed by the production side. Yeah. And that inherently must have a conflict of interest in it. So um, a lot of your presentations have been how bad the industry was, and it's very clear the need for this role, and you've demonstrated that really well. And you've got three fantastic productions where everything's been perfect. You've been early, uh, you've worked with the team the whole way through, etc., but you're introducing this process to the industry. There must be real tricky times. You know, for example, there must be someone going, oh, I really want them to do something. I'll bring in someone, right? Just get someone in and then they'll convince them. You must have some really tricky times where you don't feel comfortable. And they say, well, we paid you. You've got to make them do it, etc." That's the stuff that I, you, know, you must wrestle with. That must be very, very tricky.
1: That's right. You've got to wait for 20 years until I can write my memoir and then you can hear all of those stories. <laughs> Absolutely and thank you for that awareness because of course while the industry particularly post Time's Up and Me Too were saying um, we can't turn a blind eye to predatory behaviour we have to do better most of the people who were empowered you know, the empowered men in, as producers, directors like that position and don't want to give that up so I absolutely have experienced many times that the work's been incredibly challenging I've been brought in and the producer said to me don't speak to the director only speak to the first AD, check in with the actors, do the nudity waivers, and then stand back and do nothing. And then when I've tried to choreograph, I've had the director come up and go, oh, for goodness sake, you're directing them, just let her act it when it's a moment of oral sex and this actor has come to me going, I'm really scared, I've never done a scene like this before. And um, as you said, the productions that have listened to what I've been offering brought me in right in the early stages, put in place good choreography or or time to rehearse. These are the ones that really have hit the zeitgeist. But there are many, you know, that... um, that, you know, that this, you know, have brought me into box you know, or I've had producers say to me, oh, a scene with a whole load of supporting artists and saying to me, we want as much sex and nudity as we can. You know, we're not going to get it from the main cast, we're going to get it from this lot. And that kind of, you know, attitude from a producer is really challenging. And my dear partner who's here right now will testify that, um, you know, there are many times, particularly leading up to the lockdown, that I would come off set and I'd come home and go, I can't handle this because basically the misogynistic and the challenging behaviour that the actor would have received, I was basically bearing the brunt of it. But it is changing and what was fantastic is the impact of the content, of, of the quality of the scenes, seeing how that's changed and actors been able to then talk about their positive experience in creating them and i hope as an audience it means that you can actually sit back and relax and enjoy the intimate scenes be it a loving scene an awkward scene you know even a challenging intimate scene so it is changing and it's got so much better that the work is known but we've still got a long way to go but thank you for asking that lady over there at the back
0: Hello. I'm just thinking in this day and age, um, I think we're all kind of privy to scenes in which the audience feels uncomfortable and intentionally so. How do you debrief both yourself and the actors involved in a scene which involves themes of non-consent and blurred lines quote-unquote
1: yeah absolutely so whenever there's challenging intimate content it's even more important that the beats of the scene are really discussed clearly that everybody knows what's happening also very often I'm co-working with the stunt coordinator so for example if someone's being held you make sure that the character who's doing the holding actually just holds a frame and the person who's being held is the one that controls the energy that takes that bit more of choreographing And then also I'm bringing in that awareness of taking care, not just physically, but emotionally and psychologically. And I co-work with an artist wellbeing practitioner who will bring in those skills and have that holding to really support if someone might be activated. Um, And again, that's also the awareness we're bringing in, not just for the actor, this is for everybody within a production, anybody within a crew. You don't know who might be affected by this content. So it's also speaking to the producers about putting in place a warning just as we've done here today putting in place that warning in good time perhaps a week in advance the crews don't actually receive the scripts very often so they don't know what's coming up so all of that's really important so you put that in place really invite people to come forward and knowing that they're invited to come forward within a production that they will be treated with respect in confidence and then guided to getting the emotional and psych- psychological support that's needed thank you
2: There's a couple of questions at the
1: back there. there, Thank you.
0: Um, Sorry to stick on the trauma side of things. That's really Um, important. (laughs) Um, I'm just interested about your experience and also your ideal scenario with regards to disclosure. So, in the terms of an individual apt to having trauma.
1: In, like, an exercise class or a dance class at the start, the person leading it might be like, does anyone have any injuries? But how in practice does that work? Is that something that is asked about, that is disclosed, that people are encouraged to come to you about, or...? Is it just the systems that are put in place to protect everyone? Always. The director, I say for the director to speak to the actor about the intimate content, and then we will check out the with the performer. And if that's part of what's disclosed, then a robust and professional pathway to then supporting that, so gaining agreement and consent regarding who that should be disclosed to so that that performer can then stay working professionally and then that's always you know, part of my risk assessment, so checking out, does that performer have their own support person in place? And again, it's that open conversation and making sure there's agreement and consent. Obviously, someone discloses something, but it might not be suitable for everybody to know about it, but the key people are um, it is shared with those key people so that the performer can be taken care of personally so that they are enabled to be the best of themselves professionally in the performance of that role.
2: And uh, There's uh, someone here right at the front
1: um hello. hello so i'm just wondering so if obviously it's quite a new role intimacy coordinating and stuff um so what might be a way that someone could get into this job at the moment what could be um a routine so obviously you mentioned like the the course that's on intimacy on set i think you said it was so from like that point on or whatever how could someone go about getting a job in this kind of um yeah this particular job first of all as you can hear it's quite a complex role um so it's really important that you have a really good training so i'm I'm training practitioners through intimacy on set there's intimacy for stage and screen that's training people and then there's places in in the u.s that are training people And so then I'm looking for a practitioner who understands the actor-director process, that is a bodywork person or a choreographer or a movement director, and then someone with those kind of skills, then learning to be an intimacy coordinator, and then putting that work in practice. So, for example, when I'm training practitioners to work on set, if you think of the teaching of the techniques, it's like when you're learning to drive a car, you've learned your theory and you do your own multiple choice and then you sort of like start experiencing the work you know being supported um you know like if you think of getting into your car with your driving instructor so my practitioners have to do a minimum of 50 days on set over a minimum of five productions being mentored by myself or one of my other key practitioners so that they can journey through and of course the learning is in each and every production is different the dynamic between the producer the director the actors is different gaining that experience through to full accreditation it takes about, it's about a two-year arc
2: thank you i think got time for one last question
1: thank you very much i'm
2: amazed like i suppose most people how new this role is so i was just going to ask how widespread i still haven't quite got a handle is it just major productions that would have an intimacy coordinator or is it filtered right down through the industry was it just sort of tv or is it tv and film and
1: stage no it's a theater tv and film interestingly tv and film has taken the role up quicker interestingly a director in tv or film is far more part of um, a process where they're got the producer on set with them that they're answering to and then the, the executive producers and then they, of course they're supported by the first ad so they're far more you know part of that you know sort of like you know answering to other people as well as it's their vision that goes in theater the director is king, you know, is, 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 is the top person in the rehearsal room, and there are unfortunately many instances of abusive or, you know, challenging behaviour in theatre, but it's now opening out far more, and just in the last six months it's been very exciting I've worked at the National Theatre, I'm about to go back in and work there, and then at the Amida and then in opera, so that's been the next thing, I've been invited in by the Royal Opera Company, work with Katie Mitchell just before Christmas, and then again further work, and, and um, you know, the process of how opera is rehearsed and then performed is very different, so we've just written our intimacy protocols for opera, we've been invited into the Royal Ballet Company so it's really exciting just opening that awareness um, and how it's been invited now in all those different places. So that's in the profession. And then um, we're bringing the work into drama schools. So, of course, the work can to start at drama schools. And while, as, as I shared, you know, with um, um, Meredith Dufton that I first started, she invited me in. And, of course, I was teaching the students. But what very quickly happens is students are empowered and then you have the visiting director or the teachers who don't know the work and there's a clash. So since 2020 in particular having that awareness of actually we need to teach the staff and then the idea of shifting the whole ethos in the drama schools and it's really exciting. In those early days at Mountview the students were saying to me but we're just taught to say yes. You know, How can I have this conversation? So again having that language of say opening out with the director for me to bring the best of my skills is to have this open conversation but now we're bringing in the statement of consent-based learning. Consent-based teaching in the drama schools, which is really exciting. So basically the core of the ethos of um, the handbooks, the the, um, drama schools, the film schools, the universities' handbooks, is shifting to that idea of consent-based learning, inviting their students to be empowered, to listen to themselves, and then to share their boundaries, and then to go from there. And then most recently, I have just about to bring an intern on to bring the work into secondary schools. You know, whenever I would do a workshop, invariably, actually, the worst experiences that my student actors would experience was actually in secondary schools, doing perhaps their GCSE, when it's been the geography teacher, the PE teacher, that's been told, hey, you go across and you teach you know GCSE drama you did a bit of drama in university so of course again you've got you know um, teachers who haven't had any training to be a director so we're now bringing the work into secondary schools as well so it's really exciting but there's a lot of work to do. That's
2: fantastic that's really really exciting. I think that's really great to take it to that generation yeah Yeah. that's right and what can we look forward to in terms of television or film work that's coming
1: up that you've been involved with? Um, Last year I had the joy of working with Emma Corrin on a film of Lady Chatter. Lover, so wow. I know, in mid Wales, so really beautiful, you know, out in nature, so that was incredible, and then um, a TV series of reimagining of Dangerous Liaisons of Camille and Valmont as young people and how they started, so I'm, I'm really excited about that, and then this year I've had the joy of working on Magic Mike, wow. so yeah. Wow. It was a hard job, but someone's got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> that will be great
2: fun. It I will. look forward it's, it's, to that.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, I want to say thank you so much for sharing your work with us. Absolutely amazing to hear all about it. I mean, I think you've really opened up the conversation about consent on set, but also in society. Yeah. And I think it it's taking away the shame and it's making consent the norm and it's making consent sexy. That's and right. I think that's amazing. So congratulations and thank, thank you, you very you. much indeed. Thank you. Thank
0: you. And thank you all for coming. You're listening to Girls on Film. I'm Anna Smith and for today's episode your host was Hedda Archbold, who was joined by Ita O'Brien to talk about intimacy on set at the most recent Latitude Festival. Thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with another pod soon. <laughs> Girls on Film is an HLA production brought to you by executive producer Hedda Archbold, audio editor Benjamin Cook, intern Eleanor Hardy, and our partners for this episode, Latitude. Hopefully we'll be back at Latitude Festival this year. See you soon.